Now, as you do so, I'm going to share with you just a little bit about what I believe is at the heart, at the heart of membership, church membership. There's not a biblical passage that I can take to you that spells out membership qualifications. There's not a biblical passage that I can bring to you and says the first church at Corinth had these things and this was what the members looked like or this is what membership. I, I can't take you that passage. So we have to extract things from the Word of God that we believe are applicable. One of such things that I believe is at the heart of membership in a local body is fellowship. We call it the right hand of fellowship. I'll take you into a couple of passages of Scripture, and I'm kind of late getting them. They're just Phillies just could do his very best to follow with me here today. And, uh, but let's go just real quickly to Acts chapter number 2 today in the 42nd verse of Scripture. And I'm just going to, I'm going to actually, I'm going to just read a, a few verses here. Not in that passage, but I'm just going to go quickly. As we look at this word, uh, this passage here in Acts chapter 2, the actual word in the, in, the, in the Greek is koinonia, in the word fellowship here. This is Acts 2 and 42. And this is immediately following the, the, the Holy Spirit outpouring, what's called the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. So as all these Jews had gathered there to, to practice uh, the, the Pentecostal feast or to participate in the Pentecostal feast, the Holy Spirit has fallen upon this sect of uh, the Nazarenes, those that had followed the teachings of a man by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The visible, tangible outpouring of the presence of God has caught the attention of those that were in the temple area that day. So Peter seized the opportunity to stand up. He suddenly received an unction and an anointing that he had not previously had, and he begins to preach the word of God. Hearts are open. People respond. There's a belief that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. Some had heard about Jesus. They knew he was a prophet, but now they're being confronted with the truth that the uh, Romans had crucified him as a result of the Jews handing him over to them. Yet he didn't stay in that grave. After three days, he was raised again, and these apostles are there to testify of it. Peter ministers. The Bible says their hearts are open. They come to Peter and they say, what must we do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Be baptized in water to show a connection to uh, this faith in Christ. The, Lord, the Bible says that God added to the, to the church 3,000 people on that same day. It's a powerful moment. But it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be a part of something. It's one thing to be born into the, the kingdom of God, it's another thing to be a part of a local fellowship. And so immediately that group of people, diverse, they came from all different, even though they were Jews, they had been raised, many of them, in other cities. By, by virtue of what we read in Acts chapter number 2, they had been raised in other uh, cultures. And, and yet so they became a part of the fellowship of that local church that started in Jerusalem. And so it says in Acts 2 and verse number 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul and signs and wonders were done through the, through the hands of the apostles. That word fellowship, again, the word koinonia in Greek, 
uh, is translated different words that we want to just connect to because I think it's at the heart of what can be a part of a local church. It's actually translated communion or communication or contribution, distribution, or to communicate. It actually is used in Scripture, listen to it very carefully, a fellowship or an association or a community. It means joint participation. It means social intercourse. It's the share which one has in anything. It's not just attending. It's not just assembling. It's being connected. Paul used the word in the book of Colossians that your hearts may be knit together. Come on, knit together in love. Come on, knit like fabric sewn and woven together. That's the goal and the, and, and the, and the desire of being a part of fellowship. It means intimacy and intimate fellowship. It can be the right hand as a sign and a pledge of fellowship. It can be a gift that's jointly contributed. It's a collection, a contribution. It's an embodiment or it's a proof of fellowship. Different ways, and let me just kind of just kind of scan over just real quickly some of the passages of Scripture. I won't go to, into them in great detail, but in 1 John chapter 1, the apostle just said, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, he said, then your fellowship was, was, is with us and our fellowship is with the Father. So in essence, he was calling out those that received the letter to say, listen, if your fellowship is with us, you better be walking in the light. Let me tell you what we are. We've been called out. We've been called out of darkness and placed into God's eternal and glorious light through Christ. And our lives reflect that. And we want you to walk in the light as he is in the light. And if you're walking in the light, then that weaves our hearts together. Come on, somebody. Let's go a little bit farther. In Luke chapter number 5, here's the word partners. How the culture has uh, taken a, a word that, that means something very special biblically. And now it's uh, being used to describe something perverse. But in the Luke's gospel chapter 5, it says that Peter, James, and John were partners in their fishing business. And so they shared in the ownership of it. And one thing that I think is very important, I think that membership helps take people to a shared ownership in the assembly. It takes them from off the perimeter and moves them to the next step. And that says, you know what? This is not where I go to church. This is who I am. It's no longer they, it's we. Come on, it's us. This is my family. I've got my paternal family, yes. You've got your blood family, but you've got your church family. And you know, sometimes your church family will be closer than your paternal family, right? And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If you're not a member of this fellowship and you're faithfully attending this fellowship, man, why are you, what are you waiting on? Come on, it's time to stop dating the church. Hello? Right? Come on. How long can we be a spouse together? It's time to take this to the next level and make this a marriage. It's time for, to put some responsibility upon each other. You know, I preached two weeks ago about the live-in generation. The live-in generation, unfortunately, the blinded side of that is, is that they come together in intimacy but without the full commitment that comes from marriage. And I think that spirit is still represented even in the church because there's a lot of people that come and attend, but they're not a part of the full commitment that comes with membership. And I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm trying to encourage you. Come on, we've been dating you for a long time. We're ready to get married. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Amen. 
And so let me take you just a little bit farther. So you see different passages, and there's certain things that are involved with being a part of a fellowship. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, he said that I write this, that you speak the same thing and you think the same thing, that there be no divisions among you. There's got to be unity in a fellowship. There's got to be doctrinal unity. There's got to be something that binds us all together. Right? You say, well, it's Christ. Yes, it's Christ, but it's the way we worship Christ. Right? We are a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're a church that believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're a church that believes in practicing the gifts. They're not antiquated. We're not cessationists. We don't believe they ceased in the first century. There has to be something that calls us to come together and say, you know what, I want to add my agreement to this. Another thing that I think is very important, a part of church membership, is that in, 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 the, in the book of Ephesians, the Bible says we submit to one another. Oh, that's a great response right there. You know, we're the culture that doesn't like to submit to anybody. I'm telling you, the body of Christ demands that we submit to one another. That we consider one another greater than ourselves. That we understand that when we come be a part of the fellowship, it's not longer about I, but it's about we and us. And that we'll give up some of our preferences for the good of the whole, right? And we'll learn to find friendships and accountability in this body. And I also believe in this passage also, church family, in Hebrews chapter 13 and 17. It says, obey those who have rule over you. I believe in have spiritual leaders. I believe in the fivefold ministry that God has called men and women and called them out of the body of Christ, called them out of the body and sent them into a season of training and giftings and empowered them to handle the body of Christ correctly and to teach them. And I'm telling you, everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs somebody that they can come to for counsel or encouragement, somebody that's going to preach the word of God to them in faith and in love that cares enough to speak the truth to you because we live in a generation where truth is perverted and distorted and you need to be able to, 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 to know those who labor among you and you need to be able to connect with somebody that says, you know what, that man or that woman of God, they've got an anointing on their life. They've got a distinction on their life. And when they preach the word of God, it pierces my heart. I'm telling you, when you find somebody like that, you need to connect with that person, right? And as you do so, you submit to them. It doesn't mean that we lord over you, but what it means is, is according to Hebrews 13, we, uh, we watch for your soul. We're praying for you. We're praying for nothing but God's best for you, your family. We're praying that you'll walk in the light as he is in the light. We're praying for your sanctification and for your holiness. And I'm telling you, and it's a necessary part of being a part of the church, Church membership is when you say, you know what? I value this thing that we do called church. I value this thing that we do called worship. I value this thing called outreach. I value this thing that we do called hearing the word of God. I value this thing that we do called praying for one another. Whatever component of church, when you become a part of the body of Christ, God wants you to be a participant in it. God wants you to add your agreement to it to be someone that shares in the ownership of this. So that when we're up, you're up. If we're down, you're down. Come on. Right? We're sharing one another. We're here to lift one another and to show one another who God has called them to be and called us all to be as a collective body. I want to take you for just a few moments. And I'm gonna, I just felt like I ought to do this today. Now, koinonia, remember that. Koinonia is that community. It's that fellowship. It's that uh, communication. It's that strength that God gives us. It's that partnership. It's where hand comes to hand. Not just coming and hiding in the church. You know, you can hide in the church. You can hide 
uh, on, on, a, on a seat somewhere. And you can say, well, I'm worshiping God. Listen, God didn't intend for you to be that way. God intended for you to be a part of a fellowship where your gifts are used for the glory of God. Right? And where other gifts are sharpened because you're there. Right? Where we're giving to each other. It's a mutual relationship. So I want to take you for just a moment. You said, Pastor, this is going to be exciting. It is going to be exciting. I'm going to share with you just real quickly what we call the qualifications of church membership here at First Assembly of God. Because I want those, I took every one of these individuals that, sat, that stood in front of you through these very quickly on a two-day, it took me two days to cover them. I'm going to walk you through them just real quickly because I want you to be reminded of it. Because even our church members need to be reminded of it. Because we need you to participate. Hello? Let me go a little bit into this. Simply says a testimony to an experience of the new birth. If you're going to join the fellowship called Hebrew Springs First Assembly of God, you've got to be born again. Born by the Holy Spirit. You've got to know that you're saved. Right? So I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about joining the church in this context. I'm talking about when you knew that you accepted Christ as your Savior. And the Holy Spirit came in and he washed away. God washed away all your sins. And you were saved. You were called out of darkness and brought into God's marvelous light. It's a testimony. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 8, His Spirit joined with your spirit to declare you a child of God. I was 8 years old when I was saved. My sister was saved at 8 years or 9 years of age. And she's a year and a half older than me. Let's go ahead and make we put that out there real quick. <laughs> and so I knew the testimony of the Holy Spirit when He came into my life. And we need you to have a testimony this is not a social club that you're joining. Right? This is the body of Christ. Secondly, <coughs> having been baptized in water by immersion. It's the only thing that I can deviate from. Because I'm going to baptize some tonight that join the church. But we believe in water baptism by immersion because we believe that it shows that you've died with Christ. Right? It's an identification to the world of what you have done through Christ Jesus. You died with him. When you go under that water, what you're saying is the old man is dead like Jesus was dead. The old man is buried, but a new man emerges. And I'm going to walk in newness of life. Let's go a little bit farther. It's, going, it's only going to get better. It's getting better already. Evidence of a consistent Christian life. Hello? Here's where we start Separation. Evidence of a consistent Christian life. Listen, when God has genuinely saved you, your life will change. Hello? I, uh, evidence. In days gone by, assemblies of God, churches, they would spell out a long list of things that were viewed that you were to avoid. When I became the pastor of this assembly, our membership qualifications had the same thing. <coughs> it listed certain things that were easily observable as either sin or questionable in the context of a sin of conscience. And I looked at that list and I said, you know what? I believe that if you make a list, you got to make a whole or a complete list or no list. Because it's easy to identify about eight things that someone else may struggle with while I'm sinning on the inside, Right? So our goal is not to bring the law upon people, but our goal is to put you in an environment where you're taught that you're not going to live like the Gentiles live. The Bible says that we are 
distinctly different from the world. And our lives should reflect it. There should be changes worked in us. The world around us is evil, <clears throat> sensual. All around us, things in front of us, things we watch, we listen to, places that we go, trying to rob or hinder our Christian testimony. And you've got to make better decisions than you've ever made in the past because the enemy's always trying to get a stronghold in your life. He's trying to ruin your testimony. Let me tell you one of the best things that you can do if you're as a Christian is to know who you're hanging out with. Right? Come on, somebody. Peter said this in his epistle. He said, the folks that you, this is paraphrase, the folks that you used to run around with, they're going to think it's strange that you don't run with them any longer to the same excess of riding. Meaning you're not going to the club that you used to go to. Come on, you're not hanging out and doing the things that you once used to do. Why? Because Christ is in your heart and in your life and you want to bring him glory. You don't want to give the enemy an opportunity to speak reproachfully about you or your family. So listen, we may not spell some things out, but that doesn't mean we don't expect people to live a consistent Christian life to honor God. Our goal is to teach you. Our responsibility is to teach you the Word of God. I've, I've shared this passage so many times. You ought to know it by heart. But in Ephesians 4 and 17, the Apostle Paul said that we should not live as the other Gentiles live in the vanity of their mind because you're different. And I want you to, you know what? I live every day of my life knowing I'm different. I'm not going to be like the world. You know, one thing that I, I know, one thing this right here, <coughs> we've lost a little bit of our ability to influence in the culture. I'm not talking about the church as a whole, Joe. I'm talking about individually. What happens so often is that Christians have a shallow conviction and we're getting it pulled in and sucked in in the world and people are falling. And I'm telling you, I don't believe that's the will of God for them. I believe it's the will of God for you to be distinct and different. And when you walk into a room or an office, people ought to know. Right? They ought to know there's something different about that man right there. There's something different about that woman right there. They carry a conviction about that. I'm not talking about an arrogance. I'm talking about a confidence, right, of who you are in Christ Jesus. But let's go a little bit farther. Y'all with me out there? Church membership matters. It matters, and we've got to find our connection. This was a tough one for us. We were forced to do it. It's the most lengthy one. I won't read it in its entirety, but it was maintain sexual purity. We've become a sexually deviant generation. Well, hello? We're the generation that calls evil good and good evil. We're the generation that has, the, the, this generation wants the church, the church to bless every type of sexual activity. Let me tell you, I tell, I've told you this many times. I do it with the cleanest and the clearest conscience. There's one place God blesses the sexual union. It's in a covenant called marriage. Right? And in that covenant called marriage, I'm telling you, you can pray and ask God to satisfy the sexual desires that you have and that your spouse's sexual desires can be satisfied in you. And it's a holy and a special thing. But anything beyond that, the world pulls us into it. And so we were forced to write down some things. We were forced to write down adultery and fornication, which is sex outside of the marriage relationship, homosexual behavior, bisexual conduct, bestiality, incest, transgender behavior, pedophilia, polygamy, viewing pornography. Hello? Right? 
and, and, uh, and it says we won't receive into membership anyone who has the active practice of such behaviors. Why? Because Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, he said, flee sexual immorality. God calls us to, to, to govern our own lives sexually. God's made us all as individuals with sexual desires, and he's put a place where you can satisfy if you choose not to walk celibate between you and God. If you say, uh, according to 1 Corinthians 7, it says, if you cannot contain, then get married. Yeah. Right? And then in marriage, God can bless that union. Right? And so you've got to guard yourself. And I'm telling you, church family, this is a tipping point in the church today because people don't want to hear the truth. And even when oftentimes you did, I've told you this, and we see it repeated time and time again. And in love, in love, when you confront people, in love, to, you know what they do? They just pack their bags and they go to another church. And they hide out instead of responding. That's the problem. Again, we're a fatherless generation that doesn't know how to respond to correction. Paul wrote to the church when he said flee sexual immorality, not because he didn't want them to have sexual desires gratified in a union. No, but because he knows that when you commit sexual fornication, you sin against your own body. You harm and hurt yourself. So it's out of love that we share these truths. And so I just believe that as a church family, there's nothing wrong with us saying, if you're going to be a member of this church, you're testifying saying, I'm governing myself sexually. Come on. Here's a big one, an indication of a willingness to contribute regularly to the financial support of the church. Oh, my God, I felt that one right there. Don't be a taker. Be a giver. Now, here's the oddity. Here's the oddity. I have members who don't give. I have non-members who tithe faithfully. I'm challenging the members here today. Listen, when you signed up, you said, you know what? I'll, we didn't write the tithe in there. Did you know that? I believe in the tithing principle. Many of you do as well. But how many of you, that's something you have to learn? Right? But I'll tell you what, I encourage you in this. It says, if you're a member, you contribute regularly. Now, sometimes people are in dire financial situations. I recently had received a an encouraging letter of someone that just shared with me a very difficult and dire financial situation. And I appreciate it because you know what they were doing? They were being accountable. They were saying, you know, Pastor, I'm in this difficult situation. Pray for me. Let's trust God. I thank God for that. But I'm telling you, the spirit of I'll take but not give is wrong in the eyes of God. The word koinonia means a partnership. To be a partner in something that you share, you give into it. And so I want to challenge you. Go to the word of God and study this out. Until your life will be greatly rewarded when you become a giver into the kingdom of God. When you connect to a local church through giving, God will unlock blessings upon you. I believe that with all my heart. I'm not saying that to manipulate you. I'm saying that to instruct you in love that it can be a great addition to your life and it could be a shared benefit to this body. It's an acceptance of the tenets of faith as set forth in the Article 6 of the Bylaws of this Assembly, or Article 4, and that is that we believe in the 16 fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God, and we have to rally around them. And I encourage you to take the time to study them out because, listen to this, you need to know what the doctrine is of the church that you're involved in. Listen, we are the, the loosely knit generation in the context of church involvement. People attend a church and they don't have a clue Clue what the doctrinal basis of that church is, and that's wrong. 
You need to study this out because you need to be able to add your harmony and your agreement to it. Let me go a little bit farther. <clears throat> There's a couple things, just a couple more I got to share. I'm going to skip some of them that's not necessarily doctrinal, but it's agreement to being governed by the bylaws of this assembly. Oh, I felt that one right there. Let me come down. I'm going to come down to, to end on this today. Agreement to being governed by the bylaws of this assembly. And then it says, the last one is that you agree uh, to be in harmony with the pastor and the board and the leaders of this church family. Because how can two walk together unless they walk in agreement? There has to be unity. One of the key statements that we have in there that says, I agree to be governed by the bylaws of this assembly. And everybody that's been to our membership class knows that I've shared a little bit about this here today. But I'm going to go ahead today. It's important because we have to have a way to cause people to come into accountability. I just did a wedding yesterday. And you know, at that wedding... I put, I charged the two couples. I gave them vows that they would repeat. They signed a document saying that I married this individual and I'm being held in responsibility to those vows that I just spoke in front of witnesses and a pastor. But for whatever reason, we're not viewing church in that same light. And I think that's where we're missing it. This is a covenant fellowship. Right, that we've got to be involved, and we got to think about a husband and wife. Think about how loosely church is today. And let me let me just tell you just quickly what let's put church body, church fellowship in the context. What we're doing is we're putting the burden of responsibility on someone else, while we ourselves are not extending our hand to to accept the partnership and the responsibility. And I'm telling you, I think it hinders the health of the church. That we need to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Bound together by a common agreement that it's a partnership. This is not just me do for you all the time. But this is where we share in, in, in building up one another and in, 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 in the overall work and the overall ministries of the church. You know, statistics show that 80% of the income in a church is given by 20% of the people. Statistics show that 80% of the work in a church is given or done by 20% of the people. Why can't we be the church that changes that? Why can't we be the church that says, you know what, I'm involved. I'm sharing a partnership. Uh, I'm, I'm involved in koinonia. I'm into this thing called fellowship. It's not just one without the other. Hello? Come on, this is a, you know, I'm going to say this, and I hope I don't offend anybody by saying this. The actual term of koinonia actually has sexual intimacy connected with it. And this is not a sexual experience where one partner lays there uninvolved. Unfortunately, it happens this way, though, in the church. Some are giving and others are not, are just there. I'm telling you, that stench in the nostrils of God. God's calling us to be involved in this thing called community and this thing called fellowship and what we're calling church membership. Because I'm telling you, out of it, some of the greatest experiences that you could ever know in life can happen. One of the reasons why we ask people to sign a piece of paper, you know, that used to bother me. I wasn't a pastor, and I thought, well, you don't need that, man. If people are part of the church, they need that. 
When I was up pastoring in Shirley, I had an experience that certainly validated the need for it, the wisdom that other pastors and other churches had. Because it says, when you become a member, I agree to be governed by the bylaws of this assembly. And that, what that does is that allows us to hold people accountable, Dylan. Accountable, because they signed it. One day we had an instance in our church. We got some folks that were there that day, as a matter of fact. We had an individual, a young man that was a part of our church up there that was a, uh, he was a, he, he was in the youth group one day and he's trying to preach to the youth group. The next day he wasn't the youth pastor. He was 19 years old and he just needed to come out of the youth group because the kids were disrespecting him and it was just, it was just not going good. So I talked to him and I said, I said, listen, you need to, you, we want, we talked as a board. We want you to come out of the youth group on Wednesdays. Come in with me. I'll help you get involved. He was confessing a preaching call. So I said, I'll tell you what, on Wednesday nights, I'll let you pray, read scripture, help me, you'll develop. He said, Pastor, that sounds really good to me. He came in on Sunday morning, and he said, Pastor, can I talk to you right before church, right before Sunday school? He said, you know what, I've been thinking more about it, and I've changed my mind. He said, I really, I, I want to go in with the youth. And I said, you know what, his name was Aaron. I said, Aaron, listen, I said, I, I respect that, but we've already talked about it. These are the reasons why we gave you. And, and I tell you what, it agitated him, and he got more angry and aggravated. His voice began to climb and climb and eventually begin to yell at me in my office and he said this what are you going to do if I just go in there and just in the same tone of voice that I'm speaking to you right now I said if I have to pick up the phone call the authorities to have you removed that's what we'll do because you're not going to just blatantly disrespect the desires of our, of our fellowship he stormed out now I mean no Shirley's up in the hill country come on somebody he didn't just live in Shirley he lived beyond Shirley. <laughs> There's some Shirley folk over here, some Fox folk. They know where I'm going with this. So I'm, pre I'm preaching. Just so, well, I just get ready to start preaching. Here comes dad and son, not this son, older son, into the church. Well, dad was a member, oddly enough. He let, the he let me get about halfway through the message and halfway through the message, he popped up in the middle of the service. And he starts accusing me, calling the police on Aaron, this, that, and the other things, saying all these things. Then he starts accusing different, we had a, a man in our church going through a, a court battle. And while he was going through the court battle, he started accusing him of this thing. And it was an ugly scene right in the middle of my preaching. And so you know what I did? I said, you know what? I said, guys, I need some guys to escort him out. Please escort them out right there. So a group of guys went up to him and said, it's time to go. And so they escorted him out, got right to the back door. Now, Jerry and Pam Perry's over there, and it was their son, Eric, Ryan, your brother, was the last man to escort him. Eric was serving as a youth pastor at that time. And that brother reached his hand. That, that man saw Eric, and he said, and you, just like that, those two words, and you, that revealed what it meant. They wanted their son to be the youth pastor. That's what it re revealed to us. And he grabbed him by the throat on the back door of the church while I'm still preaching in the pulpit. How many know that's not consistent Christian behavior? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Now, Eric was pretty spry, and Eric slapped his hand down, and that's where it ended. It wasn't anything worse than that, thank God. But because he had signed a piece of paper, we could hold him in accountability. Because without that, then he could have just walked away without being held in accountability. But because we had a process and an order, we were able to call him back in. Of course, he didn't show up. 
And so we removed him from membership. Why did we? We called a meeting for the purpose of reconciliation and repentance. But he didn't show up. The young man showed up and apologized. But he withdrew his membership. And so church family, let me tell you this real quickly. As we list off these things here today, there's a special thing called church membership, but it demands accountability in the body of Christ. And I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're valuing it the way we need to in the body today. Listen, we're not trying to bind people. This is not how we want you to come to church. I'll tell you what, we do want you like this, right? We want you connected to the people, to the body of Christ. Does that make sense here today? And so it says here in Acts 2 and 42, it says they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. I want to encourage every person here today. Let me tell you, God begins to lead you to a fellowship. Add your agreement. Be who God's called you to be. Be a part of something. This church family needs you. We need your partnership. We need your involvement. And you need to be able to count on us. Come on. I want to ask you to stand up with me today.